What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to another edition of No Concert for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening. And this is edition number 249. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, I'm recording this on Thanksgiving. It'll be out on Black Friday for you guys. Today we're talking about Napoleon, which is the big movie that's coming out this holiday weekend. I got to see it a little bit early and wrote about it. We're also hitting two other in theaters movies, Saltburn, an awards contender, and then Thanksgiving, kind of a fun holiday slasher um, that I thought was appropriate. And also I wanted to see because I, I had heard good things about it. So consider this kind of a holiday weekend movie guide. If you're going out to the movies uh, with your family, <laughs> I'm actually not sure any of these three movies are great family choices, but if you're going out to the movies and you have extra time this weekend, uh, maybe you can use this as, an, as a guide to see what, what you should be going out to see. Before we get started, I do want to let you know uh, that you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig or through my newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com. Head over to the newsletter because uh, if you haven't yet bought one of my cinephile bucket lists, this weekend, just this weekend, from Black Friday to Cyber Monday, I am putting those cinephile bucket lists on sale, 20% off. So they're normally 30 bucks. They'll actually just be 24 bucks. Um, head over to the newsletter and you can purchase them there. Awesome. Now let's talk about Napoleon. Far be it from me to question Sir Ridley Scott, esteemed director of Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, and other all-time movie masterpieces. At 85 years old, I hope I'm half as capable and as motivated as he is to create unforgettable images, or at that age, to run for president. <laughs> but that's a different podcast for a different day. The reasons why I didn't really like Napoleon are mostly bone deep. Whenever you get what we call a cradle-to-grave biopic, what you hope for is some explanation or deeper understanding of the figure being highlighted. Even if this means taking some artistic license, as in the case of The Social Network, you'd hope to be given some more universal reason to care about the rise and fall of Napoleon Bonaparte outside of an interest in 19th century French history. Instead, this movie seems hyper-focused on deconstructing the specific great man myth surrounding one of history's most famous war generals. His strategic acumen on the battlefield is not really questioned here, though through numerous faithful recreations of battles rendered in stunning detail. But his character is more or less held in a perpetual state of whiny, insecure narcissism. To continue our discussion from last week, Napoleon here is hardly different from the pathetic incel protagonists that have dotted several movies this year. Of course, it's a take on the role Joaquin Phoenix is well suited for. For this specific movie, he was perfect, but I wonder if his face will really be etched in our memories when we think of Napoleon in the future. It's a noble pursuit for the movie to show that the emperor has no clothes, as they say, even if it is a bit of a bait and switch from the trailer blaring Black Sabbath's war pigs, which promised something more, shall we say, badass. And it makes me wonder if the point of the movie is to insist that Napoleon wasn't all that great, why are we as viewers supposed to devote two hours and 40 minutes of our time to him? Much of that runtime is spent recreating battle sequences, which Scott does about as well or better than any director ever has. The sheer scale of the horses, cannons, muskets, and armies is breathtaking, and each battle is coherent enough to follow through the chaos. Spliced in between the battles is a drastically different kind of movie, a pining, and if I may get Gen Z for a second, a very toxic love affair between Napoleon and Josephine. 
played by one of our great hammy actors, Vanessa Kirby. She's going for it, as ever, and has the important role of seeing through his confident facade. Neither plotline is bad at all. My problem with them is that they don't necessarily contribute to some larger story or character motivation. It seems, in many ways, like the movie is presenting the historical record without a whole lot of authorial signature. This is kind of the complaint on Scott's career. Despite being incredibly prolific and making some all-timers, there's little people can point to as a classic Ridley Scott filmmaking. Plus, unlike many of the other masters, Scott's stinkers equal or maybe even outnumber his hits. For every The Martian, there's an Exodus Gods and Kings. He seems to be about as good as his material is, and in this case, I found the material to be a little listless. In 1796, this happened, and in 1812, it was this. If you're a history buff, maybe that's enough for you. For me, I was hoping for a bit more. Okay, also in theaters this week is Saltburn. After having seen him star as Elvis in Priscilla and now as a preppy ladies' man in this class satire, I'd like to formally induct Jacob Elordi into what I call the Schwarzenegger phylum. His physical presence, much like past nominees Gal Gadot and Henry Cavill, is like a special effect. He's so tall, six foot five, and handsome, it's literally distracting, both from the movie and from the fact that he and the other members of the phylum are not good actors. Essentially, this whole movie is built around the attractiveness of Elordi, who invites our dirt-poor protagonist, played by the always-awesome Barry Keoghan, to his aristocratic mansion in the English countryside during the summer off from boarding school. Our protagonist is in love with him, secretly. What starts as a fish-out-of-water comedy of manners, thanks to over-the-top performances from dumb rich people played by Rosamund Pike and Carrie Mulligan and a more sinister Archie Medeque, who you might recognize from Gran Turismo, although I hope not, because I hope you didn't see that movie. Anyway, what starts as a comedy of manners slowly becomes something closer to a thriller as tragedy strikes. I personally was a big fan of Promising Young Woman, Emeril Fennell's last movie, but that movie caught a lot of critical flack for not being as poignant about the social and political issues it seemed to be about. Saltburn suffers a similar fate, proving in the end not to be as in not to be an incisive class satire, but rather a twisty, surface-level genre movie, one that is entertaining, but not quite as much of a rollicking ride as its predecessor. Completing the Thanksgiving trio is another movie in theaters, and it's called Thanksgiving. I just got to say this. Campy horror is so back. <laughs> this holiday-themed slasher movie first appeared as a trailer for a fake movie during Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's 2007 cult classic Grindhouse, directed by Eli Roth, who Tarantino fans might know as the Bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards. Some 16 years later, it's a full-length feature, whose best quality is that simple, it simply does not give a you-know-what. It's a B-movie in the purest sense, with gory kills and ridiculous lines like, this year, there will be no leftovers. It's a super fun movie, especially with a lively crowd. And I, I know I've said before, I'm not a big fan of ironic, laugh-at-the-screen movies. And by laugh-at-the-screen, I mean laugh-at-the-material. But this movie, in many ways, is the exception that proves the rule because it does the very rare thing of paying off the premise through the entire runtime, not running out of comedic steam in the second half and asking audiences to suddenly 
care about the things they were making fun of. What's crazy about the horror genre these days is that it's a space where everyone feels like they can let their hair down and have a little fun. Patrick Dempsey from Grey's Anatomy and Rick Hoffman from Suits are among the recognizable actors playing against type here. Circulating around a fun and magnetic young cast, horror is also the place to find new stars. Nell Verlocki, Verloc, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, is a great discovery in the lead role, and I can't wait to see what she goes on to do. One note, if you're going to stunt cast TikTok's Addison Ray, you've got to kill her in some brutal way. Otherwise, other than that, small complaint, this movie hit every pleasure point a movie could. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this holiday edition of No Concert for Old Men. I really appreciate you listening. I'm very thankful for all of you that listen to this show every single week or read uh, my newsletter again, mattcraigdustupsack.com. Thank you guys so much. Um, Just to give you a rundown of movies that I have talked about that are in theaters this weekend, of course, Napoleon, Saltburn, Thanksgiving. The Holdovers, which is a movie I reviewed a couple of weeks ago, is in wide release this weekend, and I mean – People are loving it, uh, you know, especially the older crowd. That seems like a, an absolute uh, crowd pleaser. So you may want to check that one out. Uh, as for next week's show, I definitely want to talk about The Boy and the Heron, uh, which is the Hayao Miyazaki movie. Presumably his last movie, although I guess that maybe was a lie after all. <laughs> I'm going to be seeing that movie in theaters. Uh, and then, as always, I'm sure, you know, some some stuff will pop up. Every week I, I am able to see something early in L.A. that uh, you can't see around the country. But that's good. It makes me uh, feel like I'm ahead of the curve and, and lets you guys know what you can watch whenever it is available, wherever you are listening to this from. Anyways, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. hope you had seconds and thirds. And I will talk to you next Friday. And until then, I guess I'll see you at the movies.